In Dallas, Texas, three shots were fired at President Kennedy's motorcade in downtown Dallas. The CIA secretly funded the medical experiments through a front in New York City called, of all things, the Society for the Protection of Human Ecology. There's a lot of misinformation, disinformation, and outright lies. We have some problems over here right now. We might have a hijack over here, too. This is a conspiracy indoctrination program. Co-Indoc-Pro. In this broadcast, we will be examining the strange, deranged, unexplained, and unsolved. Some topics will be rooted in conspiracy, others shrouded in mystery. Connections will be made, and agendas exposed. So prepare your mind, because the indoctrination begins now. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Another week at Coindoc Pro. I'm here with my uh, co-hosts, hosts, hostess, hostess, hostesses, hosts. That's ding right. dong, something like that. Hostess. Uh. <laughs> anyway, we're back. Episode three. Surprised we haven't been canceled yet. <laughs> That's coming. It's coming. <laughs> That was one of the goals that we had when we started this thing was, let's see how fast we can get canceled, woke cultured. I think It'd the only be super easy just with one word, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna save that for the next episode because this one's just so important. Um, no, so uh, we haven't been canceled yet because, well. We're not live yet, but we're going to publish soon. Very soon. We were waiting until we had two to three, or three to four, maybe five episodes somewhere in there so we could publish all at once and drop them all at once. And then that way we wouldn't be behind the eight ball. So, very good term for where we're sitting. We are on the pool table back in the studio. <laughs> Everybody's got their horseshoe lipper in. Yep. Where's, yeah, buddy. Where's the eight ball? I don't know. The eight balls. It's in oh, one of the pockets. Got it right you here. Got it. Nope, that was a four. Purple, purple and black, close. Damn. I got nothing over here. Well, that is the sound of pool balls. Yep. Just so everybody knows, <laughs> this is a legitimate studio we're in. <laughs> we just decided to have a pool table so that if we get bored talking to each other, we can start shoot some pool. Shoot some pool. Try to. Anyway. Belgiads. <laughs> Speaking of pool, have you ever guys, guys ever seen the... Uh, those billiard tables that have no pockets. It's like a Asian game called, um, shoot, what was it called? Three corner, four corner, something like that. I don't know. I don't know. There used to be a billiard place down here. Uh, yeah. 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 And uh, we'd go play pool every now and then, and there was two tables in there that had no pockets on them. And I didn't even notice it until one day I was watching these these Asian guys. They're over there shooting shooting pool and i was like man those tables are small and then i looked over and i was like they don't have pockets and those balls are huge <laughs> so they play with like three large balls and i think it's called four corner or something like that and it's it's based off of like hitting rails and angles i don't know <laughs> chaotic angles yeah. back to that chaotic <laughs> angle speaking of the moon was at a chaotic chaotic angle the other day i noticed yeah it's looking a little okay. weird did not look right to me. Like, looked like the, you know, the light side of it was kind of down. Yeah. Instead of on the side going across. Like, I don't know. Something's up. They're just lighting the laser up to shoot the Death Star. Yeah. They're just getting. They're I didn't probably... want to get sued for saying that. Oh, so. whoops. The <laughs> star? <laughs> they were actually probably pointing it right at my head because I was outside with the dogs. They were probably just zapping my brain. Mm hmm. Freaking gooified them brains. I didn't have very many brain cells left. <laughs> they got them. Where are we? <laughs> they got them. Anyway, so real quick, uh, correction from last week on the MLO ONA uh, dissection present presentation that Luke did. I made a statement in there that was pretty definitive about 
Anton Long being David Myatt. And I just wanted to correct that real quick so that we don't get a bunch of haters and critics. But so Anton, the ONA was founded in the late 60s, early 70s by a writer that identified himself as Anton Long. Nobody has figured out who Anton Long is other than that it was a pseudonym for somebody else. Mm -hmm. Through, um, I can't remember, it was British, British religious, I can't remember, I don't have my notes, but it was a a website on British uh, religious history that I found, and they were talking about how the writings of Anton Long were very similar to the life known to be lived by David David Myatt. Even though David Myatt said he is not 100%, he is 100% not Anton Long. He never had any connections with Satanism, occult, ONA, any of that stuff. So just real fast, the writer known as Anton Long stated that they grew up in Africa, traveled to the Far East, and then was a British citizen and um, talked a lot about mathematics and physics, things like that. The nine angles, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, we know David Myatt was born as a British citizen. He lived in Tanzania, in Africa, traveled to the Far East, went back to Britain in 1967 to go to school to study physics. He dropped out, got into politics, and then um, kind of got active in politics. And from there, he ended up um, getting into the neo-Nazi type of movement in the 80s, early 90s. And then in 97, he decides, done with this, converts to Islam, becomes a radical jihadist up until 2010, then renounces his Islamic faith and becomes the founder of the Numinous Way which becomes a Buddhist Zenist type of organization. He wrote a book. So my conjecture is that Anton Long is David Myatt. So I just wanted to clarify that. He's into a little bit of everything. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. I always found that interesting because it's like, so you grew up in Africa. Your dad is a quote, civil servant for the British government living in Africa, which to me is always code for you work for British intelligence and you're some kind of under diplomatic, you know, scenario or whatever, where you have some cover, right? Mm -hmm. And then you're able to just kind of bebop in and out of all of this very extremist type of stuff. Mm -hmm. And you start it, push it, you know, get it going. And then Bam, you're on to the next one. Yeah. Seems weird. It's kind of like, uh, remember that, uh, I just lost the name of the movie, but the one with uh dude who's uh, the game show host, but he's like CIA supposedly suspicious yeah. minds or something like that. Uh, or Confessions of a Dangerous yeah. Mind. That's yeah. what oh, it is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Forgot about that movie. Yeah, it's a good movie. Pretty good mm-hmm. flick. I was going to say Bob Barker, but... Kind of the same thing. Bob Barker, probably not agency. <laughs> oh, no. Remember his really tall, long microphones? Yeah. We need to get some of those. Yeah. You can like, hold them. Yeah, you can just hold it down by your waist, and you've got that little tiny ball at the end. <laughs> Stick it into your belt loop and... Call it good. You're good. Yeah, dude. Hands-free. Hands-free. <laughs> so... um Anything before we get started into this week's presentation? Uh, did you want to do the... Yeah, there was that thing that... Um, that, that was the first episode, right? That, yeah. Yep. First episode. So a few weeks ago. Yep. Uh, yeah. So Jake had brought up about the bio labs in Ukraine and things like that. And then on that episode of I'll Get Canceled for Saying the Name... Tucker Carlson. Ooh, canceled. Canceled. Immediately. Uh, there was one on last night that they pretty much confirmed that there are bio labs there, but they are not bioweapons labs. Mm. So if anybody wants to listen to that, 
Jake got it. I can't remember early. if those um, <clears throat> debunking articles you went over, mm-hmm. if they were saying bioweapons labs or just bio labs. Are you talking about the 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 first where they mentioned this isn't this isn't real? Yeah. Well, they on this one they went clear back to like 2010 and stuff like that. Mm. That article that you had brought up on that. First um. One. So I have I have it right here in front of me. I'll just these are the top the top stories from that one was fact check false claim of U.S. bio labs in Ukraine tied mm-hmm. to Russian disinformation campaign. Political fact or polyfact politifact.com there are no u.s run bio labs in ukraine contrary to social media posts and then snopes ukraine u.s bio labs and ongoing russian disinformation campaign was debunked and they just brought it up but we just debunked Mm. their debunk Mm. (laughs) rebunked it rebunked Rebunked, bitches (laughs) so i feel pretty good you guys uh validated me Definitely check it out. Like it's it's a pretty good uh, little snippet there. Mm-hmm. And then another, just another quick fact on that. One of my buddies sent me um, a thing that was running around. I can't remember Def forwarded you guys. Anyway, I, I will if I didn't. But they were essentially talking about how what's been coming out of the last couple of weeks is that all of the major. Um, Biotech companies, Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, mm-hmm. um, yep. Gla- Glasgow, Smith & Klein, and a, a bunch of others, they all have facilities for making pharmaceuticals in the Ukraine. And it was like, I can't even remember, there was 15 or 20, and they all employed thousands of people. Like They seemed like they were a pretty, it was a big industry over there, mm-hmm. so... And another thing real quick that I just want to put out there is that I'm not pro Putin or communism. Right. Like I'm yeah. not None of us are. Yeah. 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 I'm not trying to back that dude up at all. I'm just saying that something does not feel right with what's going on. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't smell right. I think it's pretty funny that with that um all the uh, pharmaceutical companies having those uh they're manufacturing in ukraine um it's interesting with the way the media is portraying everything when you think about like there was that clip with all the newscasts brought to you by pfizer Mm -hmm. like those companies kind of like pushing that narrative of what's actually happening there um that kind of seems like uh kind of kind of fishy. Yeah, something's up. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Bill and Ted. Mm. Yeah, so I just <laughs> wanted to throw that out there that I'm not I don't back up anything that Putin's about or any other communist or Marxist is about. I'm not about that. Um I just think it's pretty weird. And there's a lot of things that are not really adding up. So I think we're gonna have to do a follow up episode on the ukraine thing because after that i kind of went on a research binge and ended up finding some really interesting things about the president and the cabinet that he happened to pick and a few other things that were just really really odd so he was a comedian before he was a comedian and he was an actor <laughs> played the president yeah, yeah what it, <laughs> okay yeah it goes down it goes down the drain from there so we'll have to do a little follow-up on that so really the news is Ukrainian like TV. Like Yeah. He's just playing the part on a TV show still. Yeah. Yep. It definitely seemed like reality TV as I'm watching a lot of this go on. It seems very reality TV-ish. Mm-hmm. And there is definitely um there's been some connections that have come out over the last couple years uh agency sponsored things that were around the reality television boom Mm -hmm. and i think that that was probably just to desensitize us and get us you know get us ready to go priming us for something like this did you see that um other article today that said maybe it's been out but it said more russian soldiers have died during this than the entire iraq war 
It's only been what, like three. two, two or three weeks or yeah, something. Yeah, not very much. I don't know. That just made no sense to me. But it just must be a fucking bloodbath over yeah. there. Wow. Again, I, I fail yeah. math in the workplace also. So yeah, I don't know math. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, I my mind went blank when you started talking numbers. I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> so yeah, we'll have to come back and do a little follow up episode on that. But I'm just glad that. For being a crazy tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist that, you know, mm-hmm. is a little bit validated there. Little things come out every now and then. Little wins, people. Little wins. Okay, so today we're going to, I'm going to talk about the Nephilim. Um, just a quick little disclaimer. I am not a theologian. I never went to any type of apologetics, education, anything like that. I'm just a normal dude that is interested in this type of stuff. I found this topic very interesting. Um, And when it comes to things involving the Bible or anything in theology... Translations and interpretations can differ from person to person, and it should not be anything that creates division. Just because I'm telling you this is my opinion, and this is the this is the puzzle pieces that I put together, and the picture that I started to form. Mm-hmm. So, I just wanted to throw that caveat out there to any listeners, so that they don't think that you know I'm some kind of great theologian i'm not i'm just another dude so and these are just my takes on you know what i read and if you poll 10 people you're going to get 10 different interpretations you'll get 10 different opinions so Mm. with that said so yeah in this room you'll get three different opinions so it doesn't matter (laughs) yeah exactly so um and then the other thing is when i look into this stuff I tried to kind of go beyond what was just written in the text and in the biblical text. And I tried to really focus on the words and the meaning of the words at the time that it was written, because I think that that's important. I think it's important just like slang today is different than slang in 1950s, right? Mm -hmm. They may mean the same thing, but but the the slang is different. So we need to really kind of go back to what the root of the slang or the root of where the slang came from, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Totally. So that was the telephone game. Yeah. Everything gets lost in translation over, especially this long a time. And and it can for sure. And, and things like this, when it comes to biblical interpretation, there's a lot of people that are sold on the King James is the only translation that can be you know taken as gospel because it was the first translation out of greek and hebrew and you know so i'm working off of the new inter- new international version if people want to shut this off now because i'm working <laughs> off the international, new international version that's that's their prerogative i it's just this is what's easy for me to read. You lost me a Bible. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I've always had a hard time of going back and, and reading old English language and then having to turn around and retranslate what the old English language is now. Mm-hmm. So that for me was, was difficult. And then when they started putting out like the new international version, which was a more recent translation into the language that we speak now, it made more sense to me. So, mm-hmm. Okay. Did they say was it old with an e on the end of it or just a oldie? Oldie. I mean, oldie. Where, see where the fuck is that coming from? E oldie. Yeah. Oldie. What? Huh? That stuff always super confused me. So, and I always hated Shakespeare. Um, so I don't read his stuff. I think I thought it sucked, but you can't understand it. Isn't that? That's what I'm saying, man. Mm. Let's translate that. Mm. Let's break it down to what it's what he's saying now. So mm. anyway, heartfelt. Yeah, very confusing. So, okay, so on to the next portion of the of this is what really sparked my interest in this 
topic of the Nephilim or the Nephilim. Uh, a couple years ago, I started rereading the Bible and Genesis 6 kind of like caught my eye a little bit because I wanted to start from the beginning, work through the Old Testament, and then work from the Old Testament to the New Testament. I, I started kind of going backwards a little bit when COVID started happening because things were just alarm bells going off in my head, um, end times things, you know, I was getting, I was getting a little bit panicked. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Uh, my conspiracy theory reptilian brain was, it was, Lit up. it was, yeah, like a Christmas tree. <laughs> so I had started rereading the Bible, getting through Genesis. In Genesis 6, um, the word Nephilim came up. Didn't really think anything of it. Just kind of, what is that? Did a quick search. Oh, that's interesting. Then COVID started really kicking off, you know, late 2020, early 2021, started reading book of revelations which is probably the most technical from in for me the most technical book in the bible because it's it's so much imagery so i got to revelation 9 and i was like whoa that seems to be connected with genesis 6 and the nephilim so that's where we started that's where i started um, and that's going to be the puzzle that I'm going to kind of lay out here today. Um, I've always been a, ha a natural history buff. Back in the day, I loved Egypt history, things like that. I thought, thought it was super interesting. Started getting into the mystery religion of Babylon stuff, and that all started kind of coming together and coalescing this bigger picture mm -hmm. for me, you know. So um, the mythology of of antiquity, so the mythology of the Greeks, the Romans, uh, the Norse, the Babylonians, Mesopotamians, you know, Mesoamerica, to me, that's always been very interesting. And when I started thinking about Genesis 6 and those mythologies, it really started kind of coming together for me. Mm -hmm. So with that said, who, what are Nephilim? What is the Nephilim? So Are we supposed to answer? No. Okay. Well, I mean, unless you know. <laughs> uh, really, there's two theories of what the Nephilim are. And I'm going to read Genesis 6 just so that we can kind of put it into context. But there's really two theories of what the Nephilim are. The first theory of what the Nephilim are is that they were before and after, so they were the fallen angels. The second theory was... They were the result of human and angelic cohabitation or, you know, uh, breeding, mm -hmm. and that they were the offspring of human women and fallen angels. Those are the two primary theories, and those are the ones I'm going to focus on today. So I'll read Genesis 6 real quick. And then this is from the New Inter International Version. So people that are King James. You guys can do the la 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 while I'm reading this if you want. It's okay. So real quick, Genesis 6. When human beings began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of humans were beautiful and they married any, any of them they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they are mortal. Their days will be a hundred and twenty years. Beginning of new paragraph. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them. They were the heroes of old, men of renown. End of sentence. So, there's a lot in there to, to unpack, which we don't have time to do because... There are people that spend probably a lifetime just unpacking a paragraph, a paragraph like that. Um, so two theories on what the sons of God mean. The sons of God. One theory is that the sons of God would be the angels. Okay. The other theory is the sons of God was the line and the descendants of Adam. So Adam and Eve had Cain. Adam and Eve, Eve had Abel. Cain killed Abel. 
Adam and Eve had Seth to kind of carry on their lineage, the the good lineage or whatever. And so the sons of God would be in the would have been the lineage from Seth. So that's the two main theories. When I read that passage, I immediately, like I said, I don't really, I haven't gone a whole entire lifetime into just that specific passage. But when I read that, I read that as the Nephilim were, were the result of human and angel interaction. Mm. What's your I, initial take? I Just from hearing you um, read that, that... That was kind of my takeaway from it, is it sounds more like it's a, they were a kind of a crossbreeding of angel and human. Yeah. That, to me, that <clears throat> there's the other theory that they were aliens, alien hybrids. And yeah. That, but, but like you were saying about you don't spend, you know, you didn't spend all these amounts of years just going over this it's like sometimes the first interpretation the one that you get is like makes the most sense because yep. if you sit there and study yep. the same thing over yep. and over you're going to get a million different yep. ideas and yep you uh, just start going down the all the little you know tributaries and mm-hmm. and paths mm-hmm. that leave out lead out of it and then well does this word actually mean this or this because that will change the whole meaning of the the uh process and yeah yep. and Real quick on the uh, the term Nephilim. So, like I mentioned earlier about the the root or the definition of what maybe that word meant, right? Mm-hmm. So, some people have said that Nephilim is like a Hebrew translation of the fallen. Nephilim, mm-hmm. right? I, I did a lot of, I did as much research as I could. I'm, I don't speak Hebrew. I can't read Hebrew. I can't speak Spanish. Or I've told you, I've failed, failed out of German. So, you, you know, got into that yeah. German in the workplace. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I didn't fail out of German, but I got a D. <laughs> Which let's just put it for what it is. That's just below average, <laughs> right? So there's an average, and I was just below that. <laughs> so it's not that bad. Anyway. Nine, it's not. No. <laughs> yeah. The Fraulein or Fraulein, was, she just didn't like me. I, I aced that program. <laughs> Whatever it is. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever they call them, ladies. Uh, but anyway, so, so with that said... I don't speak Hebrew. I don't read Hebrew. I did read some stuff about the word, the Nephilim, and, you know, that there was some parts that they believe had the word fallen in it. So, but then I came across this, which I thought thought was really, really awesome. And this was off of worldhistory.org. I was just, I happened to be reading about Babylon because of some stuff that's going on nowadays and Mm -hmm. some of the stuff that, you know, Jack Parsons and Crowley were involved in. And so I started reading about Babylon, which is the famous city from uh, ancient Mesopotamia. But I thought that this was so key, is that the name Babylon is derived from Bavil or Bavalim, which in the Akkadian language, so that ancient Sumerian language, translated into gate of God. So I looked at Ilum, and I kind of, you know, is that does that mean God mm-hmm. at the end of that? Big G, little G, like obviously there's a difference. Big G is the big, the main, the main God, the creator God, and then little G would be all of the, you know, uh, in polytheistic, you know, uh, line of thinking would be all of the mm-hmm. the gods underneath of the moon god or whatever, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But I just, I saw that and it jumped off the page to me and I was like, whoa, that's crazy. So then I started looking at Nef because I was like, well, if Ilum means God, what does Nef mean? And this was pretty wild. This jumped off at me. 
Neph is defined as related to clouds. A branch of meteorology that deals with clouds. Nephology. The study or contemplation of clouds. That's where angels yes things come from exactly and then when we get into in a little while when we start talking about the book of enoch they enoch talks about the watchers descending onto mount hernan or herman in northern uh israel or wherever um in that area and that's where they all descended onto the mountain from the fallen angels Mm -hmm. so if you look back at that time and the ancient people saw all these people descending from the clouds onto this mountain, and then they turned out to be fallen angels, maybe that's where they got that word mm-hmm. from, because maybe they thought that they were actually gods coming down or what little g-gods coming down. So just to me, it just... Mm-hmm. Like cloud gods? Yep. It just seemed to kind of yeah. it just came, kind of seemed to jump out at Definitely me. Definitely something from the sky, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that that's the... That's the end all be all. I'm just saying that that's kind of, I was trying to find the, the real root of the word and these things were just kind of coming up. So interesting, but back to the two theories, one, they were before and after meaning that they were been fallen angels or second theory, they were the result or offspring of human and angelic cohabitation. A lot of theory behind that would angels even have the the parts to be able to do mm-hmm. that to be able to basically do chicks here like it uh, could be kindles mm-hmm. yeah like in uh dogma dogma yeah yep <clears throat> i don't know i mean i know that in biblical text there is there is um leanings that angels are not married in heaven um, before and after, so they wouldn't need that stuff. But there's also an interesting couple passages in the Old Testament where angels came here, and it seems like they had human bodies because in the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, two angels came and stayed with Lot at his house and had dinner with him mm-hmm. and then destroyed the city, right? So I don't know if there's a, an ethereal plane that if they cross, that they manifest into something that we could touch, see. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. That gets all into the weeds. I'm not going to go that far. I'm just throwing it out there. That could they just be, you know, and, uh, androgynous and they don't have the parts to do that? Maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm going to go into the two different theories that one, the Nephilim are the result that they did have the body parts to be able to have kids with women, and then two, that they were uh, the fallen angels and people just kind of, that was the the men of renown that they were talking about. They were they were the ancient antiquitous gods. Okay, okay. so that's where we're going to go. Um, but once again, back to interpretation and translation, it could go many different directions. My take Both of those theories rely on one ingredient, and that is fallen angels. Relies on fallen angels. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm going to just stick with on my presentation. So descriptions of the Nephilim. Lots of descriptions of the Nephilim. The four that jumped off the page to me were, one, that they were violent. Two, they were uncontrollable. Three, they were giants. And four, they were man-eaters. Mm-hmm. So, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to just ask, what was the um, the height? Wasn't like four forty or four hundred cubits or something? Yeah, L's like in uh, in the book of Enoch, they talk about L's. I think it's L's, E L L S. And so, doing the math is it would they would have been like three hundred feet tall. Mm-hmm. There's other text where people talk about them being, you know, from nine feet to 13 feet to hundreds of feet. Mm-hmm. So different atmosphere back then. Yeah. 
that would make it a little bit tough for uh, some messing around if somebody's 400 feet tall. <laughs> yeah. And another thing is, yeah. Split you in half. Yeah. And another thing is that never really made sense to me that if they were 400 feet tall is, so let's say that angels and humans did cohabitate would the human women have even survived a childbirth of something like that magnitude, you know, having, or did that, did it start out as like gizmo where it's like started out as a small thing and then, and then became this monster. I don't know. Yeah. So that, like I said, to me, that's always interesting. I'm going to, I'm going to throw both theories out there. And then at the end, I'm going to tell you kind of where my, my opinions lie on it. And then, you know, that'll kind of be the end of it. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. It's like 400 feet. I can't even imagine how much it would take to feed something that big to keep it alive. Mm-hmm. I have three dogs, and just keeping them alive, and they only weigh nine pounds apiece. <laughs> so, okay. So the first fallen angel, Lucifer, Satan, oh. Beelzebub, whatever you want to call it. I'm just going to kind of go into that, and then it kind of leads into where I think everything else kind of went. So last week I made some some statements about Lucifer or Satan that I wanted to clarify this week. I wasn't trying to deify or make Satan into this high status dude. I got no respect for him, you know, or whatever. I'm just saying like I was having a hard time really really kind of um, speaking what I think that he is or what he could have been. Got a little bit tongue-tied on the on the microphone, a little bit of mic fright. We know from biblical text that Lucifer was a cherub. So cherubs have high status and high regard in the hierarchy of angels. So if he was... A cherub, he would have been privy to the divine council or the inner, you know, circle of big God, right? God described Lucifer as being his most beautiful um, creation prior to man. Would be nice to hear. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to get into the description of a cherub here in a minute, man. And to me, like, if I saw one of these in real life, I mean, I'm sure that in the, their glory, it would be an amazing sight to behold. But not having context either, maybe that, that would be a little bit wild to see. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So he was a cherub, would have been in charge of some kind of um, guardian position within the divine council or whatever God wanted him to do. Cherubs are also, um, would have been leaders of worship, which going back to what we talked about last week with the music and, you know, seems like there's always some kind of like a satanic influence on music that Mm -hmm. kind of ripples out across everything. I do think that there's probably some connection there. Mm -hmm. And then um, when it comes to, Knowledge, what I was trying to say about the black magic and white magic is we know and we're going to cover in the future in in this cast and uh, maybe the next cast that demonic, demonic influences and demonic entities have given knowledge to humans that we shouldn't have. To me, if he was a cherub and any of his fallen angels were involved in the divine counsel of God, they would have had insider information. They would have known certain things, seen certain things. And I believe that that would have been what we would consider maybe a white magic, like some kind of powerful, you know, Mm. um, magic or something like that, that whips things into existence or, you know, whatever creation of the universe and everything in it exactly so they would have had that knowledge they would have been able to see that stuff so i think that 
them handing that information down is very in a very important point that we do need to point out. So cherubs. Cherubs are described as having four faces. One of a one of an ox, one of a man, one of an eagle, one of a lion. Four wings. Two wings that would have gone over above and two wings that would have covered their body below. They're described as I'm just going to go ahead and read this real quick and then So four faces of one of a lion, one of an ox, one of an eagle, one of a man said to have the stature and hands of a man, the feet of a calf, four eye co- eyeball covered wings, two wings that extend upward, meeting above and sustaining the throat of God, two that stretch downward and covered the creatures themselves. They're usually portrayed as having lower humanoid bodies maybe even resembling a a sphinx. So that was from Demonic Paradise fandom, which I had to get at least one from the dark side, I felt, and then one from the light side. And though the other one that I got was from the uh, um, description from Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel, which is, Each cherubim had four faces, that of a man, a lion, an ox, and an eagle. Also, each had four wings. In their appearance, the cherubim had the likeness of a man. These cherubim used two of their wings for flying and two for covering their bodies. Under the wings, the cherubim appeared to have the form or likeness of a man's hand. So when I read that, I couldn't help think about the Baphomet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that second one is special, or that first one that you yeah. read sounded a lot like it. Because the face of a bull, or the mm-hmm. you know, or the face of an ox, the Baphomet has the you know the face of the goat or the head of the goat. But when I looked at one picture, which was the humans, the human face, and this was a drawing, obviously, but it was a human face, and then the lion was on one side and the ox was on the other side, from a from the picture and a distance, it almost looked like they were ram's horns or goat horns. I was like, whoa. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying that if Lucifer was a fallen angel that was a fallen cherub that looked like that, and then fast forward in the Luciferian orders, you have the Baphomet. Mm-hmm. It, the as so above is below the wings up the wings down to me i was like whoa that was the first thing that popped into my head when you were talking about the wings being some going up and then others going down to cover their body it, it was just that was the first thing i thought of was the as above so below yeah it's, it's, to me it was just really wild so anyway um lucifer was described as being um god's you know most beautiful creation prior to uh, man um, description of Lucifer, the shining one, powerful, intelligent, beautiful, chief among among angels. Um, and adro- androgynous, which to me seemed really interesting that he's described as being androgynous, which is kind of like a, a generic right you mm-hmm. could be male or female right mm-hmm. well ziggy stardust yeah it reminded me of kind of where society is, is going, is going mm-hmm. where it's everything needs to come together and be one mm-hmm. the goobacks so and that to mm-hmm. me goes right back to the days of noah and you know the nephilim and you know you know the uh, the DNA being corrupted, man's DNA being corrupted, and that was Satan's old goal was to destroy man because he was so jealous of what mankind really was. Mm-hmm. So, and now we're kind of getting back into those days, and the Bible says also talks about the end times are going to be like the days of Noah. So yeah. Satan trying to corrupt DNA. So anyway. So on to the fall. 
Correcting timeline. DNA with a shot, maybe. Yep. Yeah. yep. The transhumanism push and movement. Yeah. I, I don't know. It just got got crazy for me. So, um, real quick, the the fall, the timeline of the fall is unknown to me. Genesis three makes sense when it's Adam and Eve in the garden, and you know Lucifer, Satan ends up kind of you know, tempting her into eating from the tree of. Uh, of uh, forbidden knowledge so to me that makes sense but that timeline for the fall is really up for debate you know i mean anybody could could debate that mm-hmm. we do know that lucifer took a third of the angels with him um now did the rebellion happen at the divine council or in the garden like i said that's something that is up for debate theologically um, i've got my own opinions on it um and they kind of morph into where i'm going so let's talk about the book of enoch so i'm i read about you know genesis 6 and what what is described as the nephilim now i need to talk about the book of enoch quick caveat the book of enoch is not in the bible it was found it was written prior to it was written somewhere in the ballpark of 300 i think it was 300 bc or it was I, I don't know it was really much I can't remember because I know that the time ends up going backwards so it's like 2500 is far further away than 300 would be BC mm-hmm. anyway it was written within they believe around 300 years of mankind coming into existence okay so the book of Enoch who is Enoch he's the great grandfather of Noah Noah's a huge part of the Bible. Noah's DNA was not corrupted. Noah's the one that built the ark and, you know, kind of like helped save mankind out of after prior to the flood, after the flood. And just a real quick thing on the flood, there's a lot of different um, theories on the flood, but there's also a lot of different um, cultures across the world that all talk about a great flood so Mm. that being there um i felt like the book of enoch is important um there's a lot of christians and a lot of people that think that it's it's trash it's garbage um and that it was never included in the bible for said reasons and i think probably it's because the book of enoch had some edgy topics talked about astrology portals interdimensional travel um and it talked a lot about the fallen angels and the lineage of the Nephilim. And just real quick on a recap from the MLO, MLO ONA stuff that you talked about last week, where you're talking about those portals mm-hmm. or what it, the Nixiums. Yeah, the Nixiums. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of interesting because in the book Enoch, Enoch talks in the in that book about crossing over, going to heaven, back down, down into the underworld, and back and forth. Okay. And it was through a triangular shaped portal hmm. which if you look at the sifferat tree the bottom of the sifferat tree is a triangle it's a yeah. pyramid yeah and, and then it goes up to the, the black very top cube. is uh yep same thing yeah so anyway uh but the book of enoch covers the book of the watchers and that chronicles the fall of the angels and there was 200 of them that fell so real quick i'm just going to read short short blurbs out of the book of enoch um this is first enoch fifteen eight. but now the giants who are born from the union of the spirits and the flesh shall be called evil spirits upon the earth because their dwelling shall be the earth and inside the earth end of sentence fast forward to enoch first enoch 15 verse 10 the dwelling of the spiritual beings of heaven is heaven but the dwelling of the spirit of earth, which are born upon the earth, is in the earth. And that that jumped out to me because of CERN. Mm-hmm. And then it also crossed over with Revelation 9 and demonic uh, forces being unleashed from the abyss mm. onto the earth in the end time. So that's where we're going to end up going with this. Um so let's just talk about the first theory. The first theory, the Nephilim were before and after, and that they were fallen angels. I'm going to give you a quick list of the fallen angels per the book of Enoch. And some of these names, I'm going to end up with kind of like 
you know, not pronouncing correctly, but um, I'm going to do my best. So the names of the leaders are given as Sam, Samyaza, their leader, Araquel, Ramel, Kokabel, Dam, uh, Tamil, Ramil, Daniel, Chazikiel, Barikiel, Azazel, and then they just kind of go on and on. There's there's probably like 15 names right here. So what I found really interesting on this portion of it is Enoch talks in the fall in the list in the fallen angels, he talks about the specific fallen angels and the information that they provided to mankind when they fell, when they came. And so I, th- I found this really interesting. Um, Araquel taught humans the signs of the earth. Um, Amaros and Enoch taught humanity resolving enchant- enchantments. Azazel taught humans how to make knives, swords, shields, and how to devise ornaments and cosmetics. Uh, Baraquel taught astrology. Um, let's see here. Chazakiel taught humans the sign of the clouds. So it just goes through and it talks about all of these fallen angels and kind of what they taught to mankind. And it's all the forbidden arts. It's all the mancies, geomancy, divination, necromancy, like all of the mantic arts. And I was just, so to me, it was just really fascinating. Yeah, that's crazy. Because um, it seems like with kind of like the dark art stuff everybody just says oh it's satanic and that's like yeah it. like well can you get any more in depth and and that seems like it has a pretty good handle on you know where that stuff originated from right because I, I think about things like this all the time when I look up at the moon or you know the planets are really far from us and we can't see them without a telescope I'm like, how is it that ancient man was able to describe Saturn and the rings around Saturn without mm-hmm. high-power telescopes? Yeah. And without glass. Or, yeah. You know, even just a, one of the yeah. primitive lenses, you know, that it, they... Yeah, anything to magnify, right? Mm-hmm. So... And that's going to feed into my personal opinions on Saturn and a lot of the the stuff that we'll cover on the Velikovsky and the Electric Universe and things like that. Because to me, that stuff makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. I think that Saturn was at one point our moon. It was much closer and we were in the same orbit as Saturn so as we were moving it was moving in unison Mm -hmm. and if you look at Saturn from underneath of it it looks like a giant eyeball Mm -hmm. the pole with the hexagonal Mm -hmm. uh, at the north pole yeah and And then you know all of the that crazy storm that's around it and then the rings I mean if you looked up as ancient man that to me would look like a giant eyeball watching you all the time Mm -hmm. yeah and I think at some point it shifted further away from us, which would have caused massive, massive changes in the earth, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, all of the sea rising and causing a flood that covered the whole earth? I don't know. I'm mm-hmm. just saying. So anyway, uh, I'm digressing. <laughs> so um, list of the fallen. We talked about them. To me, when I read this list, to me, it jumped off the page that it was comparable to the gods of antiquity. So I'm just going to read real quick a couple of of the, like one that jumped off the page, especially the like Seth or Set, which was an Egyptian god. God of war, chaos, storms, pestilence. His name is translated as instigator of confusion and destroyer. He's depicted as a red beast with cloven hooves and a forked tail. Where did we get this description? Where did we get this physical description Mm. from? Was that what somebody physically saw? And they, you know, primitive man thought, or, you know, the people of antiquity 
thought that that was some kind of a god, even though it was really just a fallen angel that happened to look like, a, you know, the way that cherub were described. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that, and then, um, so I, I got to go forward because I, I need to talk about theory two: the Nephilim were offspring or children of the fallen. When I think of that theory that they were the offspring of the of the fallen angels and human women at the time, I immediately think about the little g gods of Roman, uh, Norse, you know, the demigods of antiquity, the the demigods like um, Hephaestus was a master blacksmith and craftsman of the gods, god of the forge, craftsmanship, invention of fire and volcanoes. That seemed to me like that was almost the same description as Azazel, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Blacksmith, building swords, making breastplates and things like that. Mm-hmm. So that was one. And then the second one was the little G god Apollo, god of light, sun, prophecy, philosophy, archer, truth, inspiration, poetry, music, arts, Manly beauty, medicine, healing, and plague. Well, when you say God of light and sun, I immediately, and music, I immediately think of Lucifer. Mm-hmm. So, I don't Being know. The morning star. Exactly. All that, yeah. So, um, that's kind of where I'm at on the two different theories. One theory that the Nephilim were here before and after, that they were potentially the, you know... Um, the fallen angels versus the theory that they were the children of of fallen angels. I think that that's comparable to, you know, the Olympic 12, the, you know, the Olympian, or I think it's, is it the Olympic 12, the Mount Olympus and the Greek and Roman Mm -hmm. little G gods that were, everybody looked up to, they were super strong and tall. Well, when you look at, are you, Excuse me, when you talk to people that have had visions of angels, all these angels are nine feet, 15 feet tall, you mm-hmm. know? So, anyway, so fast forward, once the Nephilim are born, they kind of start taking over. Everything starts getting really violent. They're hard to control. Um, then the flood happens and in biblical terms, the flood was the purging of evil off of the earth. Um, I personally think at some point that Atlantis was probably a legitimate, large, technologically advanced city that was in the center of all of this, and that during that giant flood, they were probably completely wiped out. So I do believe in the theory of the lost city of Atlantis. I think that it fits in with the flood. I think it fits in with the Nephilim. I think it fits in with fallen angels providing information and technology to mankind. Mm -hmm. Um, The question is, is did the flood work? Did it kill off all of the evil? If you look at Shiva, the destroyer goddess or God of, um, you know, of the India culture, Shiva folklore was that Shiva during a big flood and all of his followers and people hid in a cave and were living in subterranean caverns while the rest of the world was being flooded. So, um, I don't know. It's hard to say. Yeah. There is another theory I just want to inject in here that, uh, the Nephilim were Peter Steele. <laughs> <laughs> you do the Peter Steele. No. Terrible music. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Don't hate me, people, but typo negative. That music sucks. I got one good song. Yeah. Blood, 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 no more. <laughs> yeah, it was just too much. Uh, I just. I couldn't get into that with metal. Never sounded good. So uh, right before I close this part of it out on the Nephilim, um, after the flood or prior to the flood, I thought that this was kind of interesting in the book of Enoch. Um, God specifically has two angels come down and 
take care of these fallen angels. And I'll just read it to you. The Lord said to Raphael, bind Azazel hand and foot and cast him into the darkness and make an opening in the desert, which is Dadul, known as God's kettle, crucible, cauldron, and cast him therein and place upon him rough and jagged rocks, cover him with the darkness and let him abide there forever and cover his face that he may not see the light. And on the day of great judgment, he shall be cast into the fire and heal the earth, which the angels have corrupted. And it goes on a little bit more on that. I'm going to close this out real quick on the second part, which was, And the Lord said to Michael, Archangel Michael, Go bind Semaza and his associates who have united themselves with women so as to defile themselves and with them in all their uncleanness and cleanliness cleanliness i think there's a typo there and when the their sons have slain one another and they have seen the destruction of their beloved ones bind them fast for 70 generations in the valley of the earth till their day of judgment and on their consummation till the judgment that is forever and ever is consummated and then this part is really cool in those days they shall be led off to the abyss of fire Man, when I read that and I think about what CERN's doing and I think about the theory of what's behind CERN, that all made sense that they were being caged until the abyss is opened up and they're unleashed on the earth for one final time and then it's into the fire with you, Satan. So, to um, Go ahead, sir. Go ahead. I was just going to say, to me... Those those little pieces of the puzzle all kind of put together a picture that I found very intriguing. I I would say that you need to do your own research on that, what you think that the Nephilim are. My thoughts could go either way. The Bible versus the Book of Enoch, I think that they both kind of like parallel each other very well. Um, if Enoch was very important to the story of Noah and we just discount his book, to me, that's that's not right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's definitely some stuff in there that you know helps tie up the loose ends for the fallen angels and and the knowledge that we ended up getting through the mantic arts that has really forged technology to where it is today. Mm-hmm. So that's really all I had on that. It forges into the next stuff that I'd like to talk about, which is. The Nephilim kind of, I want, we fast forward to 1940s and 50s, Jack Parsons, uh, JPL, Dwight Eisenhower, the Dumbs, the deep underground military bases. And that's really, to me, the context for what's going on at CERN. So did you guys have any comments on what I brought up today or any any thoughts of your own? Um, I just did a little bit of um you know watching some stuff about nephilim and all that beforehand and it it was kind of confusing even in those like what were they are they actual fallen angels or were they the offspring um and then i'm glad you mentioned the watchers because that came up and was like oh what in the hell is that now what is this fringe like yeah guys in the white that are all white and just stand there and watch everything going on um and then there was um a story from like 2002 that kind of mentioning the giant stuff um and who knows if it's real or not kind of a cryptid story um about the kandahar giant did you guys ever hear about Mm -mm. that one no so um during and during freedom supposedly this whole thing happened um like uh i think it was like an army uh platoon went missing or uh squad went missing um they sent special forces out to try and locate these guys they came to a cave found a bunch of like military gear strewn all over um some dude they said about 13 feet tall red hair red beard came out and they just 
lit him up and uh he ended up killing one of the guys with some huge spear had uh like six fingers six toes on each hand two rows of teeth and uh supposedly got loaded up onto a chinook and never heard about it again Hmm, that's really interesting i thought that was kind of like the whole giant thing with because we know all of the stories with like david and goliath and Mm -hmm. all that but yeah and that's some stuff i didn't really touch on on this particular presentation was the giant side of things and if they were giants but that's exactly how they were described as being giants violent uncontrollable six toes six fingers two rows of teeth you know just Mm -hmm. behemoth dudes you know and i think they said they're cannibals too yeah they ate they ate men and Mm. um so yeah i didn't go into that stuff i the stuff that i kind of went into maybe it was you know trash in people's opinion i i was trying to kind of just follow the the two first theories because i didn't those were the ones that kind of caught my attention when i first started getting into this and then going into uh the next part of this episode that we'll go into which is jack parsons dumbs and all that stuff because the nephilim come back Mm. in that when they we have the UFO sightings with Dwight Eisenhower. So, and just real quick on the watchers, I didn't touch base on it, but well, maybe a little bit, but the watchers supposedly were are angels that were sent to by God to watch humans, to guide the first humans. And then the fallen angels stepped out of line, started really digging on the chicks and then crossed over and uh, made the unpardonable sin. Right. And then that was the creation of the Nephilim. So, and another quick historical thing on the hijab that a lot of Middle Eastern women wear, that's where that came from, was that the the fallen angels lusted after women's long hair. So that's why they started covering that stuff up in the very beginning. The original Hebrew women did. Hmm. So, hmm. quick fact. Well, that's where that came from. Hmm. So, you got anything on this? I was just hoping every time you were reading a Bible verse, you would... Say it like Samuel L. Jackson from Pulp Fiction. I know. <laughs> and the law! I know. I just, I don't got that good of a voice. <laughs> well, we'll break this up into two parts. We'll come back at you next week with the part two of this, which is the Nephilim kind of coming back into the 1940s and 50s UFO stuff. And then that will segue us into CERN, I think, really nicely because I feel like every one of them is just a little bit of the you know, a piece of the puzzle that helps kind of put it all together. So unless you guys got anything else. I like it. Yeah. The Nephilim return. Yep. We'll uh, catch you on the next part two. Cool. Out. Later.